0: From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, is Tigesins caused by HSV?
1: I think possibly, I think when you look at the sort of the clinical response to patients in general, I think antiviral treatments have proved very ineffective in these particular individuals, presumably because you're probably not targeting the appropriate pathogenetic mechanism. First this.
0: The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Connell declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. As seen from here, the first podcast for physicians, the first podcast to offer CME credit, and the first to offer multinational editions is now co-sponsored by the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. The ASCRS recognizes the power of this new medium in communication and education of physicians everywhere. This partnership will allow us to bring new content to you and add new voices to our community. From Manhattan to Mumbai, from the Bay Area to Beijing, one conversation as seen from here. it's corneal, it's recurrent, and it's exquisitely sensitive to steroids. No, I'm not speaking about herpetic keratitis. I'm speaking about Tygeson's superficial punctate keratitis, but it certainly sounds similar. For some time, clinicians have speculated about a herpetic etiology to Tygeson's. Now, Paul Connell has published results of a study investigating this connection. Paul, describe a typical presentation of Tygeson's.
1: Yeah, typical presenting features of Tigersons, Josh, um, characteristically would be maybe a a couple of week history of symptomatic hearing, um, foreign body sensation, and photophobia. And usually the visual acuity is not tremendously affected. Um, When you look clinically at the patients, um, they exhibit a fine presence on the axial cornea of multiple elevated white-grey granular lesions um, which are in, intraepithelial in, in location and, as I said, located predominantly in the axial cornea and usually associated with minimal or no conjunctival inflammation and corneal sensation is usually normal. The lesions themselves stain with fluorescein, and they respond typically to corticosteroid therapy and don't respond typically to antibiotic therapy They clinically can resemble quite a lot of other corneal keratitis, including HSV keratitis or HZV keratitis with pseudodendritiform lesions, Um, but again, the corneal sensation may be affected in those lesions, and often there is associated conjunctival reaction. Um, The patients usually are, there is a a slight female-to-male dominance, um, and usually affects uh, in the initial stage in the second or third decade of life, but can affect from any age, um, from two years up to late 70s or 80s with isolated case reports. And typically, the disease exhibits uh, multiple exacerbations and remissions, and often over a very prolonged clinical course. That would be the typical patient profile.
0: Paul, what is going on histopathologically in tigersons?
1: When you look at the lesions histopathologically, and there's not a huge amount of information on this. Um, some of the information we have gained from it have been from corneal superficial scrapings, are also following photorefractive keratectomy in myopia in patients who've had previous tigus and superficial punctate keratitis. And when you look at it, there is usually epithelial oedema with the formation of cystic spaces of fluid, often associated with a subepithelial or anterior stromal reaction. But clinically, when you look at the looking for any evidence of gross cellular infiltrate, typical of maybe a, an infection, you don't see it. But there often is scanty in, um, infiltrate with mononuclear cells, which is why it was often associated and presumed to be of predominantly maybe viral etiology. But histopathologically speaking, there's not a huge amount, it's, it's, it's quite unimpressive.
0: What is it about tigressins that suggests a viral etiology?
1: Yeah, I suppose it predominantly, essentially, on. Two main things. One was on the basis of the clinical appearance. Um, the clinical appearance of a an epitheliopathy um, with the dendritiform form type lesion formation has often been associated with very typical presenting features of herpes simplex keratitis. And based on that, it was assumed to have maybe predominantly an associated viral etiology. Plus the clinical course with multiple exacerbations and remissions of the disease often was associated with uh, with that. Against that was that oftentimes there was a very variable response to antiviral therapy um, and you didn't actually and it was very, very difficult to isolate any viral particles, which is what the role of this particular individual study was. There have been isolated case reports which have been isolated once, albeit not reproduced, um from a paper by Lempetal in nineteen seventy four where he isolated V Z V virus from a patient with tigersins, but unfortunately this has not been reproduced.
0: Are there any systemic markers for tigersins?
1: No, there isn't, unfortunately, but there has been a, a the only systemic correlation which has been looked at, um, we're looking at an immunological basis for this because of its response to corticosteroids. The only systemic blood marker that has been shown to be increased, because the, certainly the systemic markers, including the antiviral teachers, aren't elevated in tigus and superficial punctic keratitis, uh, specifically, and the only one that has been associated is histocombatibility antigen hla d or 3 which is shown to be much higher systemically in the, in systemic serum of patients with tyson than in the than in the, the age matched population controls
0: prior to your study had a viral ideology been investigated
1: numerous um, investigators have tried to isolate the virus from tissue culture studies and unfortunately from from corneal scrapings etc and also from the impressions that we took the Shermer strip impressions and they weren't able to, to grow any a particular cell they, they would they would incubate the cells in embryonic kidney cells and trying to get them after two or three passages of cells to try to exhibit maybe a cytopathological effect where you actually see cellular markers or cellular um, growth um, of individual colonies and you weren't able to isolate these at all. There was they have done electron microscopy a Japanese group, and also as I mentioned, Lempata where he was able to isolate via PCR analysis. Um, VZV virus infection from a pseudo dendritic lesion of a patient. Um, so the work on, from PCR analysis of Titus's patients really hadn't been performed up to this study, but there had been sort of looking at lesions and typical of this particular problem, which had shown isolated and very isolated reports of being able to been able to actually uh, extract virus particle. So there was scanty information, to, uh, I suppose, up to this particular time. It had been hinted at by. by the association, both clinically and uh, and so on. But the actual, maybe the extraction methods and maybe the the laboratory protocols, which have become much more more sophisticated, maybe enabled us to do a little bit further analysis.
0: Paul, can you describe the design of your study?
1: We had basically eight patients um, attending our service with with known diagnosis of Tygusson's keratopathy. Um, We had some age-match controls, negative controls, and also positive controls, the negative controls were patients undergoing routine cataract surgery, and the positive controls were those patients who had active um, herpes simplex keratitis um, disease and uh, or adenoviral infection. Um, the eight patients uh, who we, we we analyzed, we took Schirmer strip impressions, which was a technique which was which was performed in the previous paper by um, an individual called. Um, even Langston et al. Um, and he isolated a Schirmer strip impression where a Schirmer strip with a conventional Schirmer strip, which we're all used to using, um, was inserted prior to a lid speculum and allowing the tear film to evaporate for one minute to maximize the epithelial sampling. Um, it, was prese- it was then pressed on the dry cornea and immediately incubated, having done this, in 0.5 mils of phosphate buffered saline and frozen prior to analysis. Um, the analysis included DNA extraction from all the samples taken and the uh, polymerase chain reaction and uh, real-time TCO analysis using the appropriate primers. Um, the, we looked at HSV1, HSV2 and looked at the adenoviral um, and VZV virus, the presence of VZV virus infection in all the samples. That was a setup of the study, so there are age and sex match controls um, and none of the control samples obviously had a prior history of any inflammatory keratopathies or any history of herpes simplex keratitis or H-herpes zoster keratitis.
0: Paul, what were your findings?
1: The results were interesting. Um, as I said, the age range just going through them was 15 to 59 years and they had been attending the clinic for between five months and our longest patient actually had been attending our clinic for 10 years. Um, Now, seven of the eight patients were symptomatic when you took the samples, which has also been maybe highlighting the fact that we would have maximized their epithelial sampling given the fact that it wasn't in a quiescent state, albeit virus particles can still be analyzed by PCR in this state. Um, We were able to demonstrate that adequate DNA was extracted from all samples and that testing of the three positive controls, those for HSV1 and 2 and HZV, resulted in the appropriate amplification of the identified DNA, um, uh, expected viral DNA. And no viral DNA at all was amplified from the negative controls, which is what we would have previously expected. And all the eight samples from the patients with the tigusins tested negative for HSV1 and negative for HST2. Six samples that we tested for were of, the t- of the tigusins patients were negative for varicella zoster virus and also for adenoviral DNA. And unfortunately, there's only six of eight in those samples because we've there's insufficient DNA in the sample to further test for those. But I think we've demonstrated proof of principle. So, albeit that it's a negative result, um, I suppose in reality, a negative result often can sometimes be a positive in the fact that we have, we've, uh, we've identified, certainly in this group of patients, that we weren't able to amplify any um, suspect potential viral etiologies.
0: Given that, Paul, should we be concentrating on elucidating an immunological etiology rather than a viral ideology?
1: I think possibly I think when you look at the sort of the clinical response to patients in general, I think antiviral treatments have proved very ineffective in these particular individuals, presumably because you're probably not targeting the appropriate pathogenetic mechanism. I saw, uh, supporting the sort of immunological basis has been the association of the Tigasms keratopathy with, as I said, the aforementioned uh, HLA-DR3. And certainly Daryl Atalov has has published quite extensively on this, and they postulate that the HLA antigen alters the immune response of patients with TSPK, and possibly to exogenous viral infections and could lead to to, um, a prolonged disease course. But cyclosporine A has proved very effective in forming resolution of these lesions um, and certainly a report by Reinhardt and Sundbacher, which is detailed in the references of the paper um, have looked at this particular 2% phagosporin A therapy which has proved quite effective in controlling these and I suppose when you look at the, cortical, the the rapid response to corticosteroids you would think that there has to be some sort of immune response associated with these patients and often as I said the inappropriate um, response to, to topical either trifluorotlimidine or any of the antiviral agents so I suppose in reality, um, when you're looking at about the, the correlation with histology and what you're looking at, we probably should be targeting a more immunological basis rather than an infective type viral pattern. Um, and certainly from where the actual lesions are, I think that's what you have to think.
0: Paul, what do you think that the association with HLA-DR3 means?
1: I suppose it means, I suppose like any autoimmune um, eye disease, um, there are always autoimmune predisposing factors in the, in the histocompatibility antigens. Um, and I suppose in reality, you might say, well, it means very little because certainly you can get isolated increases in these. But it, it seems to be across the spectrum of the TigerSense patients and, and these patients have been looked at quite specifically and they don't have any other reason as to why that haplotype may be increased. So um, in the absence of any hard viral data, which obviously this paper, albeit it has a negative result, is a positive conclusion in a way, um, it may make it, it may be more, uh, more more appropriate to go down be, uh, certainly, looking for systemic markers of therapy, which may lead to more uh, future regards and uh, um, immunomodulation than the future.
0: Paul, how do you use cyclosporin to treat tigersons, and does the efficacy of this therapy suggest an immunological etiology?
1: Cyclosporin has been used in recent times. Um, certainly, um, in our practice, it wouldn't be used routinely. Um, cyclosporin A, a concentration of two percent, is often used, uh, with, the, with the drop dissolved in olive oil. In fact. Um, and it's used usually four times a day for about a month and then tapered off over the, over the intervening period. Now, it has shown long-term resolution of, in about 30% of patients and those that have used cyclosporine, um, specifically um, looking at Re- uh, Renard and Sunmacker's paper, which is listed in the list of references, and they've seen good response to that, and they postulated that it may have a, a more pathogenetic immune response mechanism than viral etiology.
0: Paul, in the context of your own practice, how do you manage patients with tigersens
1: Yeah, Josh, in our own practice, I think we typically manage patients um, uh, regarding symptomat- trying to actually encourage symptomatic relief in the first instance and then to try and prevent against long-term recurrence. To those two ends, uh, we'd often use lubrication drops because in, in the active lesions themselves, the White grey opacities I alluded to earlier often actually are slightly raised, but if it, it does give a much more uh, increased farm body sensation, um, to try and prevent against long term uh, problems and a number of recurrences, we would tend to use a short course of topical steroid therapy, often in the format of 0.5% pred, prednisolone minims drops and use them four times a day for about a week to two weeks, and then taper them down very rapidly. Um, as was pointed out by thiazides in many and more recent publications, it was the long-term protracted course of thiazides often has only become a recognisable feature. And I'm talking towards a 30 or 40-year case history, which I said to you at, the, at the beginning of our conversation, um, that that may have actually been a factor pertaining to overuse and injudicious use of uh, topical steroid treatment.
0: Paul Connell, thank you so much.
1: Not at all, Josh.
0: Paul Connell comes to us from the Royal Victoria Eye and Ear Hospital in Dublin, Ireland. His paper, The Role of Common Ocular Viral Pathogens in Tygus and Superficial Punctate Keratitis, appears in the August 2007 issue of the British Journal of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Connell or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231, in the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275, or Skype YoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seen from here.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the new media project of the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.